0: Welcome to the WHOA podcast about horses and horsemanship. You found the place where we talk horses. I'm John Hare. On today's show, we're talking to Nancy McKnight, a woman who has made an impact on many children's lives through Pony Club. The story begins with her son, Kelly, who emailed me to say he thought his mom would be a good guest on the podcast. Nancy has had a remarkable life with horses. More importantly, she shared her passion and love of horses with countless number of children through her association with the Pony Club. I wanted to find out more, so I called up Kelly to get a little background.
1: Her influence on the uh, basic horsemanship levels in the communities that she's lived in uh, are really exemplary. Uh, The United States Pony Club is a fabulous organization that uh, really in the 70s and 80s was gangbusters as far as getting backyard horse people sort of straightened out towards the the british structure of english riding and horsemanship we didn't have anything else it was tom Dorrance and a lot of the, the cowboy stuff which is obviously fabulous influence but it was was different and anybody did the Hunter jumper thing as it's called now, or the English riding, equestrian riding. There was a lot of influence from the United States Pony Club, which was very grassroots. Since she started a couple of the clubs, and since she was regional supervisor for umbrella over a number of clubs, she got some national prominent organization for a while, which. I think she's proud of. There's a lot of kids that would say, yeah, she taught me how to ride. That, that's a powerful thing, I think.
0: If you've listened much, you know one of my favorite questions is, how did you get started with horses? Nancy has an interesting origin story, and Kelly told me all about it.
1: As I know it, back in the day, Grandpa was the first guy to sell the hay balers and started a farm machinery business in Hebron, Illinois that basically ushered in the transition from horse-drawn plows and cutters and everything to the tractor. And so he would take in groups of horses in trade, partial trade and payment for a new tractor, and take the horses back to the farm, and my mom and her sister, fix them up and play with them a bit. and Grandpa would resell them off in some other way, but the the farmer would go down the road with a new tractor rather than a couple of horses that he was farming with.
0: Do you think that's where she learned her horsemanship from?
1: Passion uh, of this level kind of goes deep to the roots, and that's pretty much where the roots come from. I think the, the ten thousand hour rule holds up real true in, in, in horsemanship, mm-hmm. you know. But it probably takes twenty thousand hours to to become a, a a real horseman, where you you know not just a rider. Riding can be done in ten thousand hours, or parts of it can be accomplished. There's a depth in knowledge that goes beyond riding, sometimes into just you know horse care. So it's it's different, you know. You got veterinarians and everything else that makes this all work, right? But it's in the early days. Lots of stuff is done at you know one place.
0: And Nancy and her sister, with their pick of horses, earned a bit of notoriety in their town.
1: As the rumor goes, you know, she never never paid for an ice cream cone uh, as a kid because <laughs> the ponies that were brought back from the Trades were on the little local race tracks there around her neck of the woods, and she and her sister could go downtown, and everybody buy her an ice cream cone because she had the fastest pony at the fair. Wow! Yeah, just little stuff like that that make you a celebrity in a small town that's structured around that sort of thing.
0: Nancy realized that she and many others needed help with their horsemanship. So she found a solution. Mom, Mom
1: learned along with the Pony Club structure. I'll have to say she's she's a school teacher, and you know that's what she did before. Mm-hmm. And and she just sort of learned the curriculum of of the United States Pony Club rankings D C E A because she had that midwestern background that didn't include a lot of that stuff. There were a lot of shortcuts. I'm sure Grandpa didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Do things by the Pony Club book, that's for sure. <laughs> so we were very, very backyard when when I was a kid at first and, and just followed the recipe book. And since she learned it so well, that's when she started to teach it. That was sort of the philosophy of that organization. And then having taught it, she just kept, you know, kind of growing clubs. And when she moved to Oregon, she just, She moved to Oregon thinking she was going to be less ambitious than she was here, and she turned out to just duplicate the whole process.
0: I wasn't quite sure how it was going to go. Cold calling Nancy might be a tough interview. She didn't know who I was or even what a podcast is, but I knew we shared a love of horses and a passion for learning. She was leery at first, but as soon as we began talking horses... We found common ground. Hello? Hi, is this Nancy McKnight? Yes, it is. I do oh. a podcast about horses and horsemanship, and I was wondering if you had a few minutes to talk about your life in with horses.
2: I don't have anything to do with them currently. I mean, I have throughout my life, but I, as of right now, I don't have anything at all to do with, with uh, pony club.
0: Actually, that's what I'm interested in is your history with horses. Oh, my. Okay. And I may not have all my details correct, but I understand that you've helped a lot of kids get into horses over the years.
2: (laughs) Well, that's probably right.
0: (laughs) That's all I really want to talk about. I understand you have a lot of stories to tell. All right. When did you get started?
2: Well, let's see, 60 years ago.
0: Oh, goodness. (laughs) Uh, May I ask your age now?
2: 89.
0: Oh, my gosh. And what got you into horses initially?
2: Well, we always had ponies as kids, and I kind of grew up with them. Uh Uh-huh. Then when I had children, I started them with their horses and that kind of grew into the neighbor kids with horses. And and uh, I believe in the United States Pony Club, and I became associated with them as an instructor and as a district commissioner and so forth. I was uh, horse show chairman in San Mateo County when the horse activity really built up there. So th- there's always something somebody can volunteer for, with horses. So and I truly believe that it's a, it's a good thing.
0: I grew up in Central California and I had uh-huh. really no knowledge. I came to horses late in life. So I have uh-huh. no knowledge about what the Pony Club is or what it its function is. Can, can you give me a it's little It's a
2: na- national organization. Uh-huh. Uh, based in Kentucky and it has branches throughout the whole United States, and then individual clubs and individual communities, uh, which become part of a district, which becomes a larger district, which connects into the National Pony Club.
0: And what is it supposed to do?
2: Well, it fosters kids and horses and uh, knowledge, uh, mounted and unmounted, and it started out uh, strictly English, but now it's branched into Western riding also.
0: How would you get the kids interested in ponies?
2: How did I get them interested? Yeah. How do you keep kids from getting interested <laughs> in ponies? <laughs> I mean, I have raised ponies when my son was a tiny fella, and The neighbor kids were there, and the larger neighbor kids were there, and then the whole state, and that's the way it goes.
0: Uh, What kind of things would you teach them?
2: Both mounted and unmounted, Uh um, how to ride the horse and how to take care of the horse. It branches into everything that there is to know about horses, whether it's, it's, daily care or grooming or or veterinary work or or actual riding. It was strictly an English emphasis, but they Mm -hmm. have branched now into Western uh, Pony Club also. I think mainly it still fosters with the the English riding, but... um, what else, what else can I tell you? <laughs>
0: well, what were some of the things that you thought that the kids really enjoyed learning about?
2: Well, if a kid likes horses, he's going to like horses. Mm-hmm. And getting a youngster knowledgeable and proficient with his own horse or with the horse that he's using just enhances their interest and ability to do well with, with that horse so they can start knowing that I think that's a saddle and, uh-huh. then, and then end up knowing the difference between the way a saddle fits and the way a saddle is the way you sit in a saddle right. so it starts from the very beginning I remember asking a, a youngster at a, a fair that we had what do you feed your horse and the youngster looked at me and said, Well, he likes jam but he don't like bologna And I <laughs> what? And I said, How did you find out that? And she said, Well I share my sandwich. <laughs> 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 that was a beginner. <laughs> that was a beginner. <laughs> but but you try to to get the love of the horse and the sincere interest in caring for the horse as well as the proficiency in riding it just is a life skill
0: I've been riding out on the trail and some kids will come up and they'll go I want to pet the horse I want to pet the horse and they walk up to the horse and they see this this huge animal compared to them and all of a sudden they become fearful how
2: oh that's that's a good thing because you (laughs) you know fearful is is a is a caring thing and then you pick the right horse and show him how to approach the horse and what's safe and what isn't, and what's frightening to the horse and what's welcoming to the horse. Uh-huh. it's It's a matter of equine ecology, psychology. Uh-huh.
0: How did you learn about that?
2: Well, as before I could walk, I was riding in the front of the saddle with my brother. And he'd hold on to me, and it evolved from that. I made a lot of mistakes through the through the years. But uh, we had horses when I was tiny, and I've had horses all my life.
0: I heard a story about races at the county fair.
2: Right. I had a, a, a pony that was very fast. And, yes, I got ice cream cones all over the county because they all knew my pony. and she was fast, and uh, we raced, and uh, not that I'm 100% in favor of pony races, but that's what we did at the time, and she was good at it, so that got me started.
0: How old were you when you were racing ponies at the fair?
2: Oh, eight, eight, I suppose, seven or eight, something like that.
0: Do you think that when you start at such a young age that that kind of just opens up the world of horses to you? Oh, ab-
2: absolutely, absolutely. I, you know if i if I could rule the world, I'd have every child have an opportunity to have a good pony as a youngster and grow with it. it It doesn't work that way. A child now nowadays who has an opportunity with a horse is very fortunate and a pony club fosters that and certainly 4H does also and it has to be carefully handled because they're they're individual beasts that we need to know how to take care of and make friends with
0: Did you just learn your philosophy about horses through the school of hard knocks or was there somebody that was influential
2: Oh, my family, my, my dad was a farm implement dealer, mm-hmm. and he, he made sure we had horses.
0: Your dad was a farm implement dealer, and he made sure you had horses. Yes. Uh, how did that work exactly? I, I don't understand tractors and horses.
2: Well, if, if we lived in the country, uh-huh. and kids just had horses in those days, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, if they were lucky. And he made sure I had a good pony, and I had an opportunity. My brother and my sister both rode, and um, I don't know. I don't know how it happened, but we were <laughs> just very lucky and always had ponies.
0: Well, that's so,
2: great. So uh, I grew up with them. Mm-hmm.
0: And then as you got older, Ed, did you uh, did you see a new... Well, and
2: I, yes, I... I went from one pony to the next pony to the next pony to the next horse to the next horse and when I taught school I boarded my horse near where I was teaching and Uh once once you're hooked it's pretty hard to live without them
0: (laughs) that's true what's the difference in personalities between uh, horses and ponies is there one
2: yes it's subtle all of them aren't different but I don't know if it's because of the people who deal with them that they their certain parts of their personalities uh, grow or whether it's inherent, but it's it's there. And each yeah you know, pony or horse is an individual, mm-hmm. and you have to to know what is individual about that pony and what's, you know the same as every other pony. It's just the same as people. They're just as complicated and and intricate as humans.
0: You must have touched the lives of thousands of children over the years.
2: I hope so, and I hope it's been... I certainly have wonderful memories of the children that I've been lucky enough to teach. I hope that they have gotten something from it, too.
0: Was there one or two? Oh, I'm sure there were dozens of children that you remember that horses oh, made an impact. Can you tell absolutely. us the story of one, perhaps?
2: I can't think of one individual. Their mother brings them to Pony Club the first time, and this, we just got this pony, and Jeannie, or whatever her name is, wants to learn to ride, and okay, you know, well let's put her on and let's see see where she is and what she can do. And that particular youngster now has four of her own children. They all ride, and they all have ponies. Wow. Uh, so it it grows, and it's it's a wonderful thing. You, you get some kid that comes who knows it all. He thinks he knows every single <laughs> bit about it, That that, you know, you can't tell him anything. And the first time they ride, you find out what they really know and what they really don't know, and then you go from there. <laughs> Every, it's it's as intricate, you know, every child is different. Every child is an individual, and every horse is an individual. And how they relate to each other is is a very unique experience.
0: What were the easiest things to teach kids to learn?
2: The easiest thing for them to learn Mm -hmm. is that the better you take care of them, the more response you get from them. Hmm. Every individual is different. You know, You, when the light goes on when you're teaching somebody and you see that all of a sudden I get it, that's just a stellar moment for a teacher. Oh, I and, bet. Yeah. You yeah. know, I jumped it. I did. He didn't refuse. He didn't stop. He went right over. Yep, that's what happens when you do it right.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, some kids kind of they initially start thinking of horses as big dogs and they want to kind of treat them as cuddly stuffed animals. Did you uh, find that hard to, to change that attitude or would you encourage that? And then, Well, the
2: horses help. The uh, horses kind of let them know that, you know, you don't treat me like a big dog and I don't want to... It isn't a good idea for me to sit in your lap. Respect is... An absolute essential when you're working with kids. Their safety is in your hands, and uh, you have to be sure when you're teaching a child with a horse that he understands that dangerous things can happen if, if you don't read it correctly and if you aren't really aware of what's going on. Yeah. It isn't like a, a little poodle dog. It isn't. It's a big animal with his own ideas and his own needs. So children need to learn that about horses just as they do need to know it about people.
0: <laughs> if a parent were thinking about getting their child into a pony club situation, what do you think is the best age for that?
2: Depends entirely on the child mm-hmm. as early as early as they can understand, Teaching, learning, right. With my own child, <laughs> he rode in front of the saddle, you know, before he could walk. But I certainly would not advise other people to follow that suggestion. It it all depends on the, the exact circumstance that the child is is in, mm-hmm. and how much parental or, or adult supervision and help they can receive they can be dangerous if if you take chances that a child is not ready for right. not intentional because i i believe horses are in, inherently kind but they're af- afraid and and that makes them makes the child vulnerable
0: and what did your son do with horses
2: <laughs> he makes his living riding show jumpers
0: does he really
2: mm-hmm. good good bad or indifferent yeah.
0: yes <laughs> how did he get into that i'm sure it was with you but
2: well it's a long process and we always had horses you know it was always we always had horses and uh-huh. he showed horses and likes to win and if you like to win on your horse you learn how to do it better and then you know people knew that he was good with it and hired him to do their horses so that became his that is now his profession along with a few other things
0: do you have any favorite stories of him learning about horses and and maybe a particular oh. story that taught him a lesson that he needed to learn
2: I was managing a horse show at one point, and he was doing the announcing for me as a youngster. And a pony came into the ring and refused jumps and was sassy, mm-hmm. And but a fantastic pony, absolutely wonderful pony. And so he, I was going to ask him about it, and he was coming to tell me about it. And we practically collided at the horse show. And he said, Mom, I'm going to buy that pony. I'm going to buy that pony. And I said, what pony and what are you talking about? I said, you don't have any money. But Polly and I are going together. We're going to buy that pony. And I said, well, Kelly, he jumps out of every stall you put him in. What in the world are you going to do? And he said, I know we can do it. I know we can do it. I said, well, you're going to have to be responsible Oh, i i know i know i'm going to get him i'm going to get him i'm going to bring him home he did <laughs> they bought him brought him home and indeed he was would jump out of anything you put him in but they worked with him for the summer and finally got him going so he was really spectacular and he finally sold him and he ended up at, in canada as a pony championship jumper oh my god uh, it, was, it was just fun and his name was mighty riot that's just one story you know i mean it, he grew up with him you know he he grew up with him and he still that's the way he makes his living now so i don't advise that i don't advise <laughs> that for, for people to think that that it's going to go that way right it doesn't but, you know, in in very individual case, you know, and the pony that that he grew up with uh, came from Ireland and was at the neighbors who had show jumpers. Uh-huh. And he said that we finally acquired that pony out of the field. And, you know, it, it was just turned out to be an absolutely fabulous pony. We were lucky. You know, and there's a lot of them. We had, we had, you know, raised them for a while. Uh, that that didn't turn out so well. But you, you know, that's <laughs> that's the way it goes. That's
0: the way it goes with horses. What was your favorite horse that you had?
2: Oh, my pony, my pony, honey. Your pony. When 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 I was eight years old.
0: <laughs> wow, you got uh, you got your your best pony at eight years old. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. And- and uh, horses that followed and ponies that followed after that never matched up to honey
2: Oh yes they certainly they matched it and I yeah I mean they're they're they become like family members you know I mean you it's like a dog you know I mean it, it's it's a personal friend right a, a good horse and certainly I've been lucky enough to have several and truly truly appreciate them and my and my grandkids too. You know, my granddaughter is, is is the same way. My son was the same way. You know, it, it's it's a lifestyle. It becomes a lifestyle, and
0: and what made Honey so special?
2: Well, she was just perfect. That's all there was to it. <laughs> <laughs> Could she read your mind? <laughs> well, we we were. She just. I just thought she was the cat's meow. I mean, she was uh, did everything that I thought was a pony should do. (laughs) (laughs) What
0: What did she look like?
2: She was black, Uh and she was about thirteen hands. She was wonderful. (laughs) All right. Just like every every youngster you see with with a special pony, Mm -hmm. it it's. I think people relate a little bit more with dogs because they're they're more available but it's the same feeling friendship and and camaraderie with a good horse. Yes. A good horse is is a partner.
0: Right. That's such a great philosophy to have.
2: Well, I, whether it's great or not that's the way it is. That's the way it becomes. <laughs> And I see it, you know, in the youngsters that I teach. You know, they either get it or they go on to learn how to bowl or, or play pinnacle or I don't know what they do. But, <laughs> you know, some, some of them, it becomes a lifestyle.
0: Yes. And I'm sure you've touched just so many children in your life with your love of horses and you've shared that.
2: I hope so. I hope so. And, and, of course, there are youngsters throughout my life that, you know, I've kept in touch with, and I know that they care and that they're very good with their horses. I just gave a wonderful horse to a youngster who had helped me with that horse, and I feel wonderful about it for her and for the horse. So it's a forever thing.
0: That's so great that you keep in touch with some of your former the children that you've well, taught.
2: Well, it, 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 it is my absolute reward. I mean, when a child comes back and remembers that he rode here, that's very dear to me. That's very wonderful. Yeah. That's what it's all about. You, you want to affect their lives in positive ways.
0: Is there uh, any more about the philosophy about horsemanship that you'd like to share with us?
2: Well, there are books and books and books written about it. And yes, but initially it's it's caring and doing the best you can with what you have and keeping your eyes wide open to the reality of what's happening so that you don't get hurt, and the horse doesn't get hurt, and it can become a positive experience. I mean, that sounds kind of phil- philosophical, but that you hope is. they like the, ho- the horse they're in touch with.
0: Yeah. And,
2: and that, you hope that their circumstance allows them to to remain interested in horses.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just, I just had one other question, too. Did you begin the Willamette Valley Pony Club and how did that come about
2: uh, well I'd been in Pony Club for in California uh-huh. and when I came up here there was wasn't a Pony club mm-hmm. and it just seemed to me like it was absolutely essential that one started <laughs> so I had contact with the national organization and the state organizations. And so we started Willamette Valley Pony Club. They helped me choose the name and the the kids that were involved. We started out with six, I think, six kids. And Mm -hmm. um, then at the time, the last time I was involved, we had like 50. Oh, my. Uh, So it takes a, a continual prompting and a continual activity to help the organization be be vital and grow uh-huh. and the membership goes up and down depending on the circumstances of the individual area and so i was just lucky enough to have enough kids involved that it could grow here and i'm lucky enough to live in a in a location where we could have the kids active right and i am truly thankful for that and and hope that again sometime this this particular farm will be the home of the, a large group of youngsters
0: well it sounds like you've had a wonderful life with horses and i hope it, it continues for many many more years thank
2: you thank you very much i've i've really bent your ear i i didn't know this was going to be a, a long phone conversation, but I hope that I've convinced you that Pony Club's a good thing. <laughs> you
0: have. You have indeed, and I enjoy talking to you. I-
2: thank you very much. Thank you for interviewing me, and, and I certainly hope that uh, you're very successful. Well, because, thank you. Uh, we, we all need we all need to work together to foster this uh, wonderful feeling with the horses.
0: It We do. And my, my sign-off is always, go have fun with your horses.
2: That's a good one. That's a very good one. Yeah. Give me a kiss on the nose.
0: <laughs> you bet. Thank you so much, <laughs> thank Nancy. You,
2: thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Nancy was so gracious with her time. It was really a joy to talk with her. And even at 89, her passion for horses continues to grow. Curious about Pony Club and its future, I asked Kelly his thoughts. You know,
1: I think the importance of Pony Club has faded so much that it almost doesn't get the respect that at least a good handful of lifetime horsemen are going to understand.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: Well, unfortunately, the cost of keeping horses in the back becomes so prohibitive and the opportunity to do so has become so limited that pony clubs can't really function in a rural community like they used to. Every, uh, all the horses are kept in more institutional environment in a stable where they're boxed like a parking lot instead of the way we used to do it 30, 40, 50 years ago, you know, where lots of times these clubs were, were structured in there, Areas where there were three-acre parcels or ten-acre parcels or whatever, and everybody rode to one central riding area to congregate and have the club meetings or whatever. At least out here, that just doesn't seem to happen anymore.
0: Learning horsemanship for many of us is a lifelong pursuit. It's so important to get an early start. I came to horses at the age of 51. I can only imagine the possibilities if someone like Nancy McKnight had been in my life. The lives of the children she shared her love of horses with were truly blessed.:
1: um, Well, I think that was kind of what I was alluding to, maybe with the, the additional 20,000 hours, or you know, maybe it would be 10,000 hours to get to be uh, good. Western writer and another 10,000 to be a good English writer and so right. forth and so on but yeah I, I hear what you're saying
0: and when you said that 10,000 hours I just oh man that is the perfect analogy to get good at anything really takes an incredible amount of time because you can't you can't see anything from the first thousand hours that you see in the the fifth set of a thousand hours so for sure. You can cut
1: it down to ten thousand hours if you start to count when you're deliberate about trying to get better, or to to understand something more thoroughly. You know, as a kid, sometimes you're learning to ride, sure, and you know you develop a, a sense of balance and everything that you take for granted, and that's why you can't start that clock ticking. Because if I had to, you know, measure my clock, God, it be you know sixty thousand hours is right. every day forever. Right, But there was a long, long time there where you don't even recognize you're doing it. And then there's a time in your early life when you think you know everything and nothing's happening. It isn't until you release on that and you go, this is completely humbling every step of the way. I don't know a damn thing. Every horse is brand spanking new. Yeah, I got all that other stuff combined to use, but it might not work. This is a fresh set of paint. So uh, it's a different sort of
0: thing. It's absolutely. You hit the nail right on the head with that. It's when you start admitting that you don't know anything about horses that you can really learn yeah. so much from them.
1: Right. And that there really isn't any difference between you and Michael whittaker or whatever, the, the amount of time you spend with the horse and deliberately thinking about things revolving around that. Right. So studying studying the herd consciously, or riding them, or whatever, it's hard to practice this because, you, you know, like you said, you have one horse. So right. you did a really smart thing by trying to learn through through other people's knowledge and doing your podcast. You did you cut that ten thousand hours down a lot too because. I want would it have taken you to get 10,000 hours of practice with your horse. Right. If you had 10 horses, you can get 10 horses done, and you're going to do the same thing, but you're going to be really tired at the end of the day, and lots of us did that, but we're worn out now.
0: (laughs) If you'd like to get more involved with Pony Club, I'll have the links in the description, or just Google Pony Club. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks again to Kelly and Nancy McKnight for sharing their experiences with horses. I really appreciate it. To see the show notes with links and photos, go to Wopodcast.com. If you would like to share a story or experience about your horse or suggest a guest, I'd love to hear it. Send an email to john at Wopodcast.com or connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under the name Woe Podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Stay safe and healthy. Thanks again for listening and sharing the podcast with your friends and riding buddies. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.